All right, with that, we have, I don't know, world-famous Pastor Jamie giving us the message today. So. Okay, I hired a moving company um, for everything. Thanks, Marty. Marty's moving company. Well, good morning. Everybody here and online. It's a family service today. So we'll be celebrating communion. We got kids in the back at tables. Um, if you are at home, um, I will give you a, a moment here uh, as I do some my introductions and stuff like that to go get some Play-Doh, uh, a cookie cutter, um, maybe some juice and bread crackers, chips or something like that. So you can have communion with us online. Um, and then we have it here. Um, so that's what we'll be doing. So you guys don't have to go get that. Okay, wow, it's a good crowd. Um, I am Jamie Buchanan. I'm the student uh, and family ministries pastor here at Chapel Hill. And one thing about me is I collect comic books from the 80s, from my childhood. And I love superheroes, I love superhero movies. Um, my favorite superheroes um, are not the most well-known, you know, like Spider-Man or Superman or Wonder Woman. I have two of my favorite superheroes, and I want to share um, them with you now. Um, this guy over here, uh, his name is Plastic Man. He, uh, his name is Eel O'Brien. He was a common thief. He broke into a chemical factory. And while he was in the chemical factory trying to steal money, he fell into a vat of chemicals. He lived and he developed a superpower of stretching and copying shapes like a briefcase, a spring, uh, a paddle, whatever, what do you call that? A paddle, something, and a fly swatter. Um, once he was in disguise with uh, the thieves and he uh, made himself into the shape of a table and they were eating and using pepper and the pepper fell on the table and he sneezed and gave up his identity. Um, so uh, he, uh, that's Plastic Man, I love him. Um, he, he's stretchy and can copy things. The other guy, his name is Metamorpho, and uh, his uh, name is Rex Mason. He was a, a movie star, and while searching in a pyramid um, for treasure, um, he found a meteorite. The meteorite sprayed rays on him and um, turned him into the element man. Um, he can turn into and change into anything on the periodic table. So... Um, I need you to remember it. It'll be very important because these two are going to serve as the first of our two illustrations for what we're talking about this morning. So, the title of our time together is actually a question. I know it seems simple and somewhat silly, but I want you to think about it. Would you rather have a copy or the real thing? Why? Think about that. Why did you choose what you did? Kids, I already see you are partaking of the activities on the table. That's great. Um, there are two parts of our illustration, the second part, um, that are on your tables. Um, I want you to play with the Play-Doh, which you're already doing, doing the puzzles. That's great. Um, you'll also see a, uh, a butterfly, um, a butterfly picture. 
Um, I hope you haven't colored that yet because I would like you to color that and show me that on the way out. Okay, we'll be talking about that a little later. Why butterflies, why Play-Doh? But go ahead. And then you'll also see on your tables cookie cutters. Um, So we'll be using that later with the Play-Doh. Those of you that are sitting in chairs, I'm sorry that you're missing out. Um, So our student ministry, um, our logo and our theme is 12-2, Be Transformed. And you can see we have t-shirts. Hopefully you saw the banner coming in. Um, Downstairs, Polly Kirsten and some teens made a graffiti-like logo on chalkboard, um, which is really cool. Um, And um, we just, this is our our logo. This is what we believe. And this is kind of the theme that that we have this morning. Also, here's a plug. I have t-shirts that I will sell you for $15. Um, On the way out the door, if you would like to buy one, it'll help youth group. Um, I don't have them on a table, so nobody can turn over my tables. Uh, I'm not doing it for that reason. Um, This is the end if you're awake. Um, So come on by and talk to me about that. So what we're going to do is we're going to zoom way out from this verse. Way out. Okay? And zooming way out from this verse which are having slide problems. Okay, oh, here we go. Zooming way out. I want to zoom way out and get a look from space. And here's what that looks like when it comes to this Bible verse. It's us stepping back and looking at the whole plan of life through the whole Bible. We need to get this and know this. Okay? God created us to have a relationship with him. Sin entered the world and teenagers... Messed everything up. My favorite vacation Bible school song. Um, Sin messed everything up. Okay? It messed up our relationship with God. During the whole Old Testament, we tried to have a right relationship with God. And it was provided somewhat in sacrifices. Okay? That were made. And going through a priest um, to be right with God. But then along comes Jesus, God's son, his perfect son, a perfect sacrifice. He dies on the cross, sheds his blood, um, which we will celebrate here in communion, um, and provides for us a way to have a relationship with God again. That's from space. Let's hone in to 30,000 feet. The book of Romans The Apostle Paul wrote Romans to Jewish and Gentile Christians. Um, The book of Romans tells us about God, who he is and what he's done. It tells us of Jesus Christ and what his death accomplished. It tells us about ourselves, what we are like without Christ, and who we are when we follow Christ. The biggest theme of the book of Romans is the gospel. And I believe that uh, we, if you are a follower of Jesus, we need to know and understand the gospel. The gospel is talked about in Romans 1.16. The gospel means good news. The good news is given to you uh, in 1 Corinthians 15.1-4. That talks about the gospel. But I want to give you a, a little 
kind of uh, an acronym. My youth leaders hate it when I do this, but I'm going to do it for you. Um, and we've done it with the teenagers to, to know what the gospel means. So you ready? So it's going to be G-O-S-P-E-L. G, God created us to be with him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sins cannot be removed by our good deeds. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. L, life starts, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So, Jesus comes, he talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about the kingdom of God, we read about it in the Bible. The kingdom of God is now, it's not just some place or time that we go to, it happens now. We've, we, we just talked about eternal life, living forever and being with God. That doesn't just happen after we die physically as followers of Jesus. Eternal life is now. The gospel is not something that we just share with somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and it's a one-time thing. The gospel is for all of us, all the time, every time. So I want to us to be, to be clear with that. Now... Let's go, let's bring it down to one foot away, okay? Um, as we look at uh, the book of Romans, it's split into two parts, chapters 1 through 11 and then 12 through 16. Chapters 1 through 11 tend to be very deep, very theological. When I was planting the church plant, um, we spent, uh, they spent a lot of time teaching on the theology, the study of God, the depth of God. A big word is doctrine. Um, it was very deep. It was hard for me. Most of you know I'm not an intellectual. The last thing I want to do is sit down and go deep with you intellectually um, and talk doctrine with you for three hours. I would rather... And why I like Romans 12 uh, through 16 is because that's taking all of what we know about God and applying it to life. It's a relationship restored with God, directing to right living, coming from what we believe helps us determine how to live in our behavior, and those theological terms, those heavy terms that we talk about in 1 through 11, they're actually brought down to specific practical application to daily living in 12 through 16. All right, now let's take our verse and put it under a microscope. Romans 12, 1 and 2 uh, is our passage. So, therefore, Paul starts out, why does he use the word therefore? A lot of times you have to look, when the word therefore is there, you have to look at it and ask, why is therefore therefore? Okay, what is it therefore? It's a bridge. It bridges 1 through 11 of chapters, uh, 1 through 11 in Romans, to 12 to 16. It's a bridge. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
The word urge means is not a request. It's in between a request and a demand. Okay? And think about it. It shows the importance of this. Why didn't Paul just say, therefore, brothers and sisters, I recommend that you look at God's mercy. In my honest opinion, I think you should take a look at God's mercy. No, he says, I urge you, I implore you, look at God's mercy. It's got to start there. How many of you saw the weekly update? Okay. Um, if you want to go back, you can watch that. I did it on location in Paul's office. Um, and there I gave a challenge to open up and read through Romans 1 to 11 and try to find as many cases in there where you see the mercy of God. Okay? I challenge you to do that. Here's my favorite, my favorite verse um, that shows the mercy of God. It's Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love for us is not based on our attractiveness to God. We love people because they love us. That is how we love, but that is not how God loves he does not love us on the basis of what we do or how we do it. He does not love us only so long as we love him. His love is unconditional. Our Lord Jesus proved it, but um, our Lord proved it by having sacrificed his son Jesus. His love does not depend on who we are or what we are. Um, Jesus says, and God shows his mercy that he looks at us and he sees that we're messed up. We sin. We have sin in our lives. But he demonstrates his love and he doesn't say to us, it would be like saying this, I want you to take a bath before you take your shower. That doesn't make sense. Okay? God says, um, I want you to come to me I want you to bring your sins to me, bring the things that you do that are opposite to me, and as you are in relationship with me, let me help you see why these things are wrong. Not, hey, God's up in heaven, he's got a, a police hat and sunglasses, and he's got a lightning bolt, and he's looking down at us, ready to fry us when we sin, okay? That's not who God is. God's there, open arms, bring those to me. I will help you see why they are wrong, why they cause death, why we should stay away from them. That's God's mercy. That's his mercy. Here, if you're taking notes or if you can remember, I'd like you to read Psalm 1611. One of my favorite passages that talk about why should I want to follow Jesus and be in a relationship with God. It talks about all the, all the things for that. So when we look back and we see um, our need for God's mercy, it should compel us. It's not, we should not be like saying, well, I guess I see God's mercy, so... Um, I'll pay him back by trying to be good. No, 
He wants us to come and he wants to see change. Let's keep going. Let's go back to our verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Wow, that sounds a little morbid, a little gruesome. Okay, let me explain it a little bit. Okay, to offer our bodies. Paul's not saying, hey, you need to offer your physical body in a sacrifice. He's saying to offer our bodies, our lives, our interactions, our thoughts, the entire person of who we are, what we do. And I love uh, this paraphrased version of the Bible. The message gives a good explanation of what, our, what he's talking about with our bodies. Look at this. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, you're playing in the playground life, you're in your classroom at school life, you're on the internet. Um, take your life and place it as an offering before God. Okay, so we're supposed to place our lives as an offering before God, and it's a living sacrifice. Okay, a living sacrifice. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about that before we go any further, when we think about a sacrifice, we think of the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament sacrifices. They did that. They sacrificed. There were needed to be a shedding of blood to be able to be um, in God's presence. The living sacrifice that's talked about here in Romans isn't that sacrifice from the Old Testament that's just shedding of blood. Why? Jesus already did that. That, that sacrifice is a burnt offering. A burnt offering, meaning it's every part of us. Not just certain parts that I want to give, like going to church or with my parents or um, when I'm reading the Bible, but every part of our lives. That's what this sacrifice is. It's a sacrifice, and a sacrifice means we pick up our cross and follow Jesus. It's, it's us... Um, um, not pursuing what we want or what we desire, not making everything about us, okay? It's about making a sacrifice of the things that we want and pursuing others, um, loving others, and loving God well. So, do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, okay? Holy and pleasing, God loves it. And this is our true and proper worship. The opposite of true and proper worship can be found in Romans 125. Where man, God gave man and woman up to worship and pursue things that they created or things around them and not the, not the true God. Another word that's used here is your rational worship. And it's not just worship isn't just us showing up on Sunday morning and singing songs, even though that was, that was great and we love it. Worship is us living a thank you life. A life that says, thank you, God. I worship you. You are, you are worthy. 
all places, all times. So hopefully you're seeing a pattern here, okay? A pattern. So as we move on, we move into verse 2. Do not conform, okay? Um, And as we move into that, um, the word conform actually means copy. It means uh, squeezed into a mold. It means uh, an outside like resemblance. Not real. Like plastic man's not real. He pretends and makes himself look like he is. Okay? All right, kids. You with me? I talked a lot. I'd like you to grab your, the Play-Doh. I'd like you to spread it out and flatten it. And I'd like you to make me a cookie. If you haven't already. You have cookie cutters? Do you have cookie cutters on the table? Kids, can you hear me? Holler if you can hear me. Okay. All right. Flatten out the Play-Doh. Pick your favorite cookie cutter. Make it and then hold up the cookie. I can see. Hold it up. Way up. Nice. Okay. Way in the back. Yep. Yep. I can, I can see somewhat, but uh, looks good. Okay. Those cookies that you made, um, eat, I can see some of them. They look good. You're not going to eat them, are you? Okay, now don't, don't anybody say, well, when I was a kid, I ate Play-Doh. Um, no, we're not talking about that. Um, we're not going to eat those cookies. Why? It's not a real cookie. It's a copy. Okay? It's a copy. That cookie is a copy. It's not real. Okay? So, God, uh, Paul is saying, we are not to copy the pattern of this world. What is this world? When we talk about the world, I'm not talking about mountains and trees um, and oceans. The world is this. It's a system of values and goals which are against God and what Christ has done for us on the cross. That is what is meant by the world. It's 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 sin-dominated stuff that's opposing and opposite of God, um, that's in a realm of, uh, uh, of all around us. And that's not to say there isn't beauty and there isn't good. Um, no, there is. But with the world, because sin messed things up, we have the world. So the pattern means, the pattern of this world is the behavior, to copy the behavior of the world, to copy these values and goals that are against God. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at scripture. 1 John 2.16 says this, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. So the world is saying, and the patterns that the world wants us to, fo- to copy are, hey, it's about your comfort. It's about your pleasure. It's about you being entertained. It's about you being satisfied. Or, hey, it's about um, you getting what you want. You desiring things and get it. And with me, my struggle on that one is 
It's, it's about you planning your day, your hour, your time so you can get those good things. That's what the world, the world is saying. So there's two. And the world is also saying, hey, it's about you need to copy and follow a, a pattern of being high on the totem pole, being the most popular, having the best status, um, pursuing the basic human needs we all have. We all want people to pay attention to us. We all want people to accept us. We all want people to approve of us. When we take and we pursue those things with people, and we don't pursue those things um, through following Jesus and with God, we conform or copy the pattern of this world. Does that make sense? It's, it happens. We, we make idols um, out of those things and we worship them. That doesn't mean I'm going to sing songs to Chinese food. Okay, the kids know that's one of my downfalls and you can tell it's Chinese food. Okay, I'm not, I don't like worship it like I'm going to sing songs to it. But man, sometimes it can plan out my day. I can be a, not a good steward of my money in wanting that. So I also like the paraphrase of this from the message. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. The love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So, it's about being transformed. So what is transformation? The Greek word for transformation is actually metamorphosis. You get it? Metamorphosis. My superhero was named after a Greek word. Metamorphosis. What does this mean? It means a complete change from the inside out. It means, and English experts and people, you're going to love this one. It means we are to be being transformed. Okay? Be being transformed. It isn't just about a one-time thing. Um, it's about an identity. It's about a process. It's about us being real and genuine from the inside out. And we're going to talk about how that happens in a little bit. But right now, kids... It's story time. You have on your tables a book, and you can read it along with me if you'd like. It's called The Very Hungry Caterpillar, and it's by Eric Carl. I don't know if you pronounce the E. In the light of the moon lay a little egg on a leaf. And, that, and we have the slides up there too, Mike, if I didn't tell you. One Sunday morning... Kind of like this one. The warm sun came up and pop, out of the egg came a tiny, very hungry caterpillar. You see him right there? He started to look for some food. On Monday, he ate through one apple, but he was very hungry. On Tuesday, he ate through two pears, but he was still hungry. 
On Wednesday, he ate through three plums, but he was still hungry. On Thursday, he ate through four strawberries, but he was still hungry. On Friday, he ate through five oranges, looks like peel and all, but he was still hungry. Oh boy, it gets good. It's Saturday. On Saturday, he ate through one piece of chocolate cake, one ice cream cone, one pickle, one slice of Swiss cheese, one slice of salami, a lollipop, looks like stick and all, one piece of cherry pie, one sausage, one cupcake, and one slice of watermelon. That night, he had a stomachache. I have a stomachache just reading it. The next day was Sunday again. This is great. This is my favorite part. The caterpillar ate through one nice green leaf, and after that, he felt much better. He ate his greens. Isn't that true? Our spinach and stuff? Now he wasn't hungry anymore. And he wasn't a little caterpillar anymore. He was a big, oh, somewhat large caterpillar. (laughs) He built a small house called a cocoon around himself. He stayed inside for more than two weeks. Then he nibbled a hole through the cocoon, pushed his way out, and... What happened? He was a big, beautiful butterfly, just like this video clip. Miss you already? We forgot Heimlich. I'm finished. Finally, I'm a beautiful butterfly. I love that you all look like little ants. He hadn't even gotten off the ground yet. Hey, let's go back to our superheroes. Guess what? One day they had a fight. Okay? So here's what happened. Let me reenact it for you. Plastic man, gotcha, C-punk. You're tangling with the original freak of a thousand shapes. Metamorpho. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'm the improved model, chum. So Plastic Man stretches his arms around to copy a rope and wraps up Metamorpho. Metamorpho says that ain't going to work, and he turns into helium gas. And he squeaks out helium gas through the, the copied rope of arms of Plastic Man. So what does Plastic Man do? Clever, pal, but there's nothing like a plastic balloon to trap gas. So he turns himself into a balloon, sucks in the helium gas. Metamorpho. But for every balloon buddy, there's a pin. He turns into an iron three-foot pin and pop, out he comes. Now I put the other one in there to show you that Plastic Man still lived. Um, from that. So, funny, I love it, my favorite things. Let's bring it home here, okay? Back to our verse. So, when we think about transformation, um, we talked about this. 
We need to think about transformation, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share how that happens with the renewing of your mind. It, need, it needs to happen in all parts of our lives. And it's a process, not a one-time thing. It's a process. So how does it happen? It happens first um, by the renewing of your mind. What does the renewing of our mind look like? It's not just think good thoughts, but as a follower of Jesus, I'm not just going to think good thoughts. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to kind of think of my mind as a driver's seat. And I'm going to allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, I'm going to allow him to be, I'm going to let Jesus take the wheel. Okay. Um, I'm going to let Jesus be Lord in my thoughts, in my mind. It's about us recognizing and rejecting this pattern of thinking and feeling or behaving that characterizes the world. We're going to reject it. That's how transformation gets started. Here's another way and how I really like how it looks. Um, it's about head, heart, and hands. With our head, we understand the gospel. We realize that we are lost, we're messed up because of sin, and we need Jesus. We understand that with our head, and we understand that we need to choose to follow Jesus. It goes from, at that point in time, and that happened for me at a one-time thing in vacation Bible school when I was seven. I could take you to the room in the church in East Wilton, Maine, where it happened. I believe for some people, it could be a process, okay? But then it goes from what we know down to our heart, making that 16-inch journey, okay? It, biologically, that's what it is, but spiritually to our heart. Our hearts are changed. We're transformed. We know, we know how to follow Jesus. We know how to apply the gospel to our lives every day. We know these things, but it doesn't just stop there. It goes out into our hands, it's, it's not about behavior changes or modification. It's about allowing transformation to change us and for us to live our lives transformed from a renewed mind, okay? If you want to go deeper, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18 talks about a veil being removed and how transformation happens when this, this spiritual veil is kind of taken away from our eyes, if you want to study that more. So, let's continue on with our verses. By the renewing of our minds, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The approving of God's will is to understand and agree with what God wants for us. What God desires for us. And when we are able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus, to uh, approve of that, we're able to test, we're able to know what God wants. And I don't mean we know God's will like, I, I wonder what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. It's not that. It's about God's will for what we want for our character, our lives, the everyday part of our lives. So... I want us to think a little bit, and I asked you at the beginning, a copy or the real thing? 
I think sometimes uh, we tend to choose a copy because either it's a copy of how we think we're following Jesus, but it's, it's, it's not real. It's not a transformation in our heart. It's just us molding and shaping to do that because uh, our parents are followers of Jesus or the people around us are. Um, maybe we copy because as a follower of Jesus, we have certain uh, things of this world that tend to, uh, we tend to, uh, are, are attracted to and want to pursue and those things can control us. And we copy a pattern of this world by putting those things before God. When we can choose the real thing, we can choose a God who loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. We can choose that. We can understand the gospel. We can live the gospel. We can apply the gospel to our lives every day. And I tell the students, the gospel should be applied to our lives every second, every minute, Every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year. What Jesus has done on the cross should be applied to our lives. So as we think about our lives, what are some ways that we need to apply the gospel to how we're copying the world? And so I, I pray that, that you will talk to someone because, you know, it's not about one of the things that from teaching from years, you get up, you give a good lesson, great, I said some funny stuff, and everybody goes home. That's not what it's about. It's about us being transformed, right, to be made more like Jesus. So I challenge you to think about that. I know I have in preparing. Think about where do I need to be transformed? What do I need? So, we're going to transition now, um, worship team, um, you can um, come up, um, into a time of communion. So part um, of our student ministry, our 12-2 student ministry, are what we call nutrients needed. How many of you thought that, you know, that know me that I would be able to go through a, a message and not mention Nacho Libre? In Nacho Libre... Nacho and Ignacio were trying to better their wrestling skills. So they were told by a friend that if you climb to the top of this hill, this mountain, and you get this eagle egg and you eat it, um, you'll get the powers of an eagle. To Nacho's dismay, their performance didn't get better, and they lost again and again and again. And he got angry with Stephen, and he said, Stephen, those eggs were a lie. They gave me no eagle powers. They gave me no nutrients. So we have a, a ministry of 12-2 called Nutrients Needed. Who, I see some people that go to that. It's Wednesday night. And we talk about um, and go a little deeper than what we do on Sunday nights because we talk about um, the nutrients, just like we need nutrients in our lives to like, to like live we need, as a follower of Jesus, nutrients to live spiritually. Here's what I think they are. The Bible. We've got to read the Bible. We've got to listen to teachings from the Bible, podcast, preaching. Um, we've got to have the Bible. We have to have prayer. We have to have that relationship with God where we talk to him, listen to him, thank him. 
we've got to have worship. There's got to be times um, in our lives, in our day, where we just see God and worship him. We got to fight sin. We got to realize that sin messes things up. It messes us up. And we have Jesus and we can say no to it through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe me, look at Romans 8, 13. We also need church community. But we alt and we need, and we need to, uh, I believe is a nutrient and a part of it, is we need to look at, think about um, baptism, being baptized. But here's also another one. It's communion. So as we move into this time, if you're online, hopefully you got some juice and crackers. Uh, if you're back at the tables, you'll see the elements um, there. Not the element man elements. <laughs> um, but the elements meaning the grape juice and the cracker. Okay. The worship team is going to go through some songs. And, um, and those of you in the front, um, you have uh, the communion here. And you can come up and take it. You can go sit down. You can meet as a family. You can go and kneel at the cross. You can do whatever you feel comfortable with as you take communion while worship team is, is singing and playing. What it, who is communion for? You don't have to be a member of this church. But communion is best understood when we are a follower of Jesus or a Christian. Um, it's us remembering what Jesus has done on the cross when we eat the cracker or the bread. And when we drink the grape juice, um, we remember his blood um, and how it was shed for us to take away our sin. And we do that together. And so uh, as you're doing that, maybe in your prayer time, you can think about some of the things that maybe the God has said to you or spoken to you. So let's move into a time of communion.